Twitter is getting into the stories game and boosted posts versus ads on Facebook and Instagram. Welcome to Working Girl Talk. Hello, it is March. Can you believe it? We are two months into 2020. I hope it's going great for you. Before we dive into this week's news, I just want to say thank you so much. This week, I've seen you guys tagging Working Girl Talk and listening to episodes, and I just love it. So if you're listening to this episode and any others, screenshot the screen, share on social, and tag Working Girl Talk so I can see it, I can share it, and connect with you love it. And thank you so much. That has been really cool to see so much of that recently. So I'm super happy that you guys are liking the guests and the content and cheers to more. (laughs) Now let's get into the headlines that the working woman needs to be aware of this week. Remember when Instagram launched stories a few years ago and it was very shocking? Well, Years late to the game, Twitter is jumping on the bandwagon. Twitter is testing out fleets, as they call it. So these are fleeting tweets, hence fleets. They're posts that appear in a separate timeline above the main timeline for 24 hours before disappearing. Sound familiar? (laughs) So to create a fleet, you'll tap a plus button that appears on a new row of these top posts at the top of your screen. From there, you can type up to a 280 character text or add photos, GIFs, videos, all that good stuff. Once you hit post, your fleet will appear there, very similar to Instagram stories and the one who did it first, Snapchat. So they're testing this out in Brazil right now, so it's not available everywhere. Testing it out in Brazil and amongst employees. So we'll see if it comes to the mainstream, but it probably will. Right now they're just testing it out to get out all the kinks. And an interesting thing that The Verge pointed out was that Twitter also bought Chroma Labs last month, which is a startup with some people who were at Facebook before that specializes in these the story type of content. Definitely more stories to come in this sphere and we'll see how Twitter does with it. So they've actually been losing a lot of market share with Instagram and all these other platforms popping up. So this is their way to combat that. We'll see how that goes on Twitter. Next story, you can't talk about news this week without talking about the coronavirus, which is very sad and really hoping that this all gets um, resolved soon and a really sad situation, but, and we're not a breaking news show or a medical show, but it's impacting a lot of things, including the social media sphere. So according to the verge, Pinterest is introducing a custom search experience as they call it. When you seek out information about the coronavirus on the Pinterest platform in quotes, as a way to connect pinners with facts and myth bust, what's not true with authoritative information from the world health organization. So that's what Pinterest told The Verge. So they're really trying to combat the misinformation because there is a lot out there. And since I've talked about it before, Pinterest is very much a search engine. It's no surprise that people are looking for coronavirus-related content there. So Pinterest recommends that you follow the verified World Health Organization Pinterest account to see new information about health and wellness and all that kind of content related to them. So they suggest that you follow them. And the company also told The Verge that they'll be removing any misinformation it finds about coronavirus because it will violate its new health misinformation policy, which it's kind of cool that they're trying to go about this because misinformation is a 
way bigger problem than just this than just Pinterest anyway, but it's really cool that they're trying to fix it and have a plan in place to do so. And they're not actually not the only ones dealing with this issue. It was also released this week that Etsy, the online store where a lot of different businesses can sell their products, it made headlines this week because of their efforts about trying to get rid of um, some misinformation content or even just content in general relating to coronavirus. And as I mean, and when I say content on Etsy, it's really people selling products related to it. They're trying to scrub misinformation by just removing merchandise on the platform that mentions the coronavirus altogether. So, which is interesting. I'm not sure. I don't know how popular that kind of merchandise would even be. So I'm thinking it's more in like a joke way. Maybe people are making fun of it and that's why they're taking it down. That one's a little more murky for me. They just kind of released that they're getting rid of products there and merchandise relating to the coronavirus. On a similar note, Hasbro, we know them as the toy maker. They're actually the maker of several Star Wars Baby Yoda toys set to hit stores later this year. They confirmed last week that its supply chain is being disrupted by the coronavirus outbreak as well. According to CNN, coronavirus disruptions haven't hurt production of Baby Yoda toys just yet. So, and they talked to like a toy expert in this industry interesting job, but they spoke with him saying that he spoke with sources inside some of the Chinese factories that Hasbro works with, that there hasn't been any disruptions yet, but it could change for the worse soon. And not even just for baby Yoda toys, but for all production as well. And this, this source, this toy expert, Jim Silver said he expects to see baby Yoda toy production decline by five to 10% because of the coronavirus, but said Hasbro is quote, close to being able to ship what they originally projected. So I guess they are going to be able to meet what they projected, just not anything more than that. So there is hope to get some baby Yoda toys out there, but it could be a slower process. If you're a regular listener to this show or follow me on social, you know that I'm baby Yoda's biggest fan. So this was very sad for me to read. (laughs) So hopefully it doesn't slow up production too much and this can get resolved. Next and last story, the department store Kohl's released its Q4 numbers this past week, and the numbers were actually higher than some projections, but year-over-year sale numbers are still down. And specifically, Kohl's called out the women's category of its store as one of its biggest weaknesses during the quarter. To combat this issue, the company says that it has a new women's leadership team in place and it is phasing out eight of its women's brands. They did not say which brands it will be phasing out. They also gave an example of one of the initiatives they're going to do is they're going to be adding more mannequins to the stores to give women ideas of how to dress head to toe. And CNBC reported that women's apparel represents about 30% of Kohl's sales. So it makes sense that they're really trying to fix this side of the business if it was such a low performer last quarter. But the interesting element that they pointed out about this is that 
This fixing the women's category is not just an issue that Coles is facing. Macy's and JCPenney have both had similar issues in the recent past. So fewer women are visiting department stores to buy clothes is what CNBC was saying. And more and more are turning to rental options like Rent the Runway to build out work wardrobes because maybe you don't wear that all the time. Or they're buying used clothes via ThreadUp and Poshmark, CNBC said. So, and they also pointed out as Amazon is becoming a bigger force in the fashion industry, that that's taking a lot of market share as well. I would argue too that I would throw in local boutiques. I think Rent the Runway is really making a name for itself. And I think Poshmark and a lot of um, like Goodwill and thrifting is really, pop- really popular, which I think is great. Um, but I would say local boutiques are taking some of that share as well, because I know sometimes I feel more of a personal connection to a local boutique and I know it's local and it's going to impact my community and um, it may be something that not everyone has. So I would rather shop there and support local than maybe going to a big department store sometimes. So I would say that that is affecting it as well. That's my little two cents there. But an interesting trend across the board that a lot of stores are facing this, I think they're going to have to uh, really shift some of the ways that they're marketing and I guess the way that they're doing business. Because as we can see from trends, more people do want to be sustainable and just thrift. More people do want to support their communities. More people just want stuff that they will actually use, like rent the runway, just use it for when I need it and then not have it. Or even how Amazon is fast shipping, reliable, very easy, the comfort of your own home. And so I think there's just a lot of competition for these traditional stores. So they're going to have to get creative with their efforts to ramp things up. And I don't know if mannequins will do that. I thought that was interesting that that was one of the examples that Cole cited as a new merchandising effort. I don't know. I thought that was an interesting one to bring up because I don't know if that would actually make a huge change, but we'll see. Now moving on to our working girl topic of the week. It is a marketing topic, which I'm super excited to talk about. Boosted posts versus ads. Before you think this doesn't apply to me, this is actually helpful for a lot of people. I would say most people. If you work in marketing, digital marketing, social media, if you're a business owner, a college student, if you have a side hustle, even if you don't have any of that, just a normal, regular nine to five, one day you may be called on for some knowledge about a Facebook or Instagram ad, and you will know because of this episode. (laughs) So this really can apply to everyone in every facet. So don't tune out just because you think this doesn't apply to you because I really think it can. At some point in your life, you may need to know the best option for advertising. And here is a quick segment on Working Girl Talk. Let's start with the basics. What is a boosted post? What is an ad when it comes to Facebook marketing? Boosted posts are ads you create from a post on your Facebook page, on your Instagram page. It's already been posted on your feed. It's that little button you see. It's like a little blue button on Instagram and on Facebook next to the post that says boost post. We'll talk a little bit more about it in a sec. Ads on the other hand, do not live on your Facebook or Instagram page. And they allow you to choose goals right at the beginning, get a little more granular from the campaign level, more options to spend your money in different ways. Ads will run until you turn them off. You can edit and pause them at any time. To create an ad campaign, you have to be an ads manager. 
if you're wondering if you've ever created an ads campaign, like you don't know, like, oh, did I boost it? Did I, did I create an ads campaign? If you don't know what ads manager is, then I would say you probably have not actually made an ad campaign. You probably just done boosted posts. So now that we know a little bit more about the difference between the two, when should you boost a post? When do you make a standalone ad? Here we go. One, the post content itself. If you choose to boost a post, that post essentially turns into an ad. Think, will this be a successful ad? Is there a call to action? The whole point of an ad is to have a goal and achieve that goal. If I boost this post that I've already posted on my Instagram feed, my Facebook feed, will it help me reach my goal? If you really want people to visit your website, but the post you want to boost doesn't have a link to your website, eh, not the one to be boosting. But maybe you posted about an event you have coming up with all the details ready to go and you just want more eyes on it. You just want more people to see it. Bam, a boost would be a great option there. So think about what kind of content you're putting out there. What would actually be a successful ad? Because sometimes a social media post, like organic, that you're just putting on your feed or your Instagram, it maybe it's just something like, oh, today we did this. Is that really something you need to put money behind or want to have money behind? That's why setting goals is so important when it comes to advertising. So you can actually measure if you're spending your money wisely and getting that return. As we're talking about post content, I wanted to make a note about this. Sometimes if you've received press for your business, your side hustle, your company, whatever, if you've received like a media hit, we were featured in the New York Times and you want to boost that to get eyes on it. Think about your goals here because that means you're driving traffic to somebody else's website. The only reason I bring this up is because I've seen this a lot like, oh, we need to tell the world that we got featured in the New York Times. And you're like, you want to just boost that post. We're like, hey, check out our article in the New York Times. Think about what you're asking your audience to do there. You're asking them to go to somebody else's website. So just think think about what you're, you want your audience to do when you are boosting a post. Because at that point, maybe you'd rather just create a page on your website of press hits and share that if you want people to know. So kind of thinking about what your goals and then what people would do once they see that boosted post. And that may help you kind of decide what's a right fit for a boost, what's a right fit for an ad, or maybe I don't even need to boost or do an ad at all. Part two, audience. Who do you want to be talking to? In both boosts and standalone ads, you do have the option to create a very specific audience. So the instant you click boost post, you'll see some options, maybe people that like your page, people that live in this area, you can choose ages. The same goes for standalone ads. When you are making a campaign at the ad set level, you do have the option to pull from your audience manager and from, or and just making an audience right on the spot. Okay, I'm gonna turn up the dial to 21 year old to 35 year olds and all that good stuff and interest and all your audience demographics, you do have the option to utilize both and both a boost and an ad. The main difference with the audience is that for a boost, you can only target one audience at once. So if I'm boosting a post, I can only pick one audience to see that. Whereas if I had, if I had a standalone ad campaign, I could have one ad being shown to multiple different audiences because I have multiple ad sets. If you want to A-B test something, see, oh, I wonder how um, people in my area like my post versus people who like my page and kind of do some A-B testing, that's when you'd probably want to do an ad campaign because you can test one ad on multiple different audiences. 
Also in this section, I do want to point out, you can't edit a boosted post. If you want to make changes as you go to your audience, to your structure, an actual ad campaign is the way to go because editing a boosted post is near impossible. Part three, goals. More engagement, more eyes, that's when you want to boost. If that's your goal, I just want more people to see this, boost, which it's right in the name, just giving a post to that extra boost. And boosts are very post specific, which makes sense because you're just taking one post, boosting it out to a lot of people. If you have specific campaign goals, like I want to drive traffic to my website, I want to get email signups, I want to get app downloads. Facebook actually has a lot of campaigns built around different goals that when you first set up a campaign in this ads manager, you have the option to choose what kind of campaign you want with these specific goals. So if you are doing a bigger marketing initiative, do not just rely on boosts because you won't be able to get as specific with your goals and Facebook made it easy and you can choose your goal right from the beginning at the campaign level. And think about it this way too. If I have something I really want to promote, like say I have a program coming up that I really want to promote, do I really want to be posting about it that much organically to be posting and boosting so often? Like I might even annoy my organic audience to see it so many times. So that's why in this sense, if my goal is to, oh, I'm going to do a longer campaign promoting my event coming up. I just want the people that would be relevant in wanting to see it, to see it. So I'm just going to make a campaign because remember, like I said, a boost requires that you've had to post an actual post on your page, Facebook or Instagram. So keep that in mind as well. Part four, the time constraint. How long do you want your promotion to run? If you want it to run longer than a week, I'd say dive into ads manager and make a campaign, make a standalone ad. That's just my rule of thumb. On a boosted post, you can go crazy and go way longer than that as far as days you want it to run. But I say that because if it's something you want people to see more than a week later, you may want to make changes. You may want to test it out on different audiences because to me that's saying that it's something important and serious and something you may want to play around with more audiences, which that's why an ad would be a way better way to go because you'd have more control. So those are just four things to be thinking about. To reiterate, one, your post content. Is it something that is actually fit to put some money behind? Two, audience, who are you exactly wanting to hit? Is it multiple groups or is it just one? Three, your goals. Is this a long-term strategic campaign or is this just a piece of content I want more eyes on? Four, time constraint. How long do I want this running? While it's running, do I want to make some changes? Be thinking about that as it's going on. In short, a boost is exactly that a boost. An actual ad campaign you make an ads manager is for more strategic initiatives and specific goals. A few good examples of good post boosting options would be events, because typically you have all the need to know content in the post. Giveaways are great because you're reaching more people that would be interested in possibly your content, but a giveaway does have an end date and is pretty short. So that works great for a boost. Something timely all three things that are great for a boost. It really is your choice depending on what your goals are and what your skill level is. Diving into ads manager can be a little a little intimidating at first and that's totally okay. It takes time as anything else. So to access your ads account, go to business.facebook.com, sign in and you will see right away that the, like the interface is a little different, but you'll be able to start campaigns and make some standalone ads there. Facebook actually has some great resources 
resources on the Facebook Blueprint website as well. If you're interested in getting Facebook Blueprint certified or learning more about it, listen to episode 22 of Working Girl Talk, where I talk about that lovely experience. (laughs) I hope those tips help you kind of decipher what you should be spending your money on. And I will say last thing, if you have a larger budget, an ad campaign is the way to go, as I said, because you can be more strategic about where you're spending your money. If you just have like 25 to 50 bucks you want to put behind a post, that's good for a boost. But anything more than that, that means you're serious about advertising and um, treat the experience seriously. Make an actual ad campaign where you can control and have a say in where your money goes. So I hope that helped you. Before we go, my working girl Friday favorite this week is Glow Recipes Watermelon Lip Pop. It is this, it almost looks like a lipstick tube, but it's see-through and it's bright pink. And it's this chapstick lip balm, lip color fusion. It smells amazing, just like watermelon. And they use real watermelon in all their products as a little bit of like the granular pieces in it to exfoliate just a little bit. And if you do more coats, it adds a little bit of a pink tint to your lips and it is super hydrating. It smells amazing and is a great time. You can get it at Sephora and it is just a great time. And every time I like open the cap and smell it, it just... Mm, that aromatherapy, good stuff. (laughs) So that is it for today. Thank you so much for joining me on Working Girl Talk. If anything resonated with you today, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Please review the podcast. Let me know what you think. Give it five stars if you feel so inclined. And if anything resonated with you in this episode or past episodes, feel free to take a screenshot, share on social, and tag at Working Girl Talk. I have so many amazing guests lined up in the works, and I am so excited to share their stories with you. I hope you've enjoyed the stories you've heard so far. Thank you so much. Have a great day. I will talk to you next week.